As we move into Daniel chapter 10, we are going to get an inside look at spiritual warfare and specifically the spirit world and how it works. And there are principalities and there are powers and there are battles going on behind the scenes. An intriguing look into spiritual warfare today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Imagine being Daniel. You're seeing all this incredible stuff. You're seeing the, uh, the glorified uh, Christ. You're seeing the throne room of God, and you fall into a deep sleep, and you got no strength, and you're out for a while, and then a hand touches you. This is all supernatural stuff. If you've ever just seen a little glimpse of the supernatural, if you've ever gotten a little taste of it, it's kind of weird because it's not the normal place where we live. We live largely in the natural, right? And so when you get a little supernatural, a little, a little bit of the door comes open, a little bit, some of you have uh, got, interacted with some dark things maybe, it can be freaky. It can be. Last night, uh, JT and I, JT's uh, verse, and this is the young man who, uh, uh, believe it or not, went through a demon possession situation. And many of you were here. He was baptized last Christmas Eve. You know, it's been a year since JT um, was delivered by the Lord. Last night, he had a chance to share with the youth group his testimony. It's funny because I don't speak to youth groups that much, but uh, we were there and the kids were kind of joshing around and they were laughing. Some of them were talking during the time we were talking. But once we got into the meat of JT's story, they were like. <laughs> because really what we encountered there was some dark forces, but the light of God was much, much brighter than any darkness. And now JT's walking with the Lord. And you know what his verse is? It's Luke um, I think it's chapter 8, 38 and 39, where Jesus says to the formerly demon-possessed man, no, you're not coming with me, but go to your family, go to your people, and tell them all the wonderful things that God has done for you. That's JT's verse now, and he's living it. That's pretty cool. So last minute he asked me if I could show up too, and it was really, it was a good time. It was good to remember what what the Lord had done. And so he says, this hand touched me. I was trembling on my hands and knees, just kind of, you know, maybe crouching up from that sleep. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, if you have a New King James, it says, greatly beloved. Understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Now, I don't know if you can get your arms around this, but he's talking to an angel. And angels are real shiny. (laughs) Veggie tails, man. Come on. Can you imagine? The angel didn't just talk to him. The angel touched him. How many of you remember the... Uh, TV series touched by an angel. There's multiple occasions where Daniel's touched by an angel. Now I will say this, the TV series touched by an angel was not really theologically correct. <laughs> Seemed like at the end of every, every episode it was something like this. God loves you, Johnny. 
something like that. And then it would be this emotional scene and the angel would bring reconciliation and whatever else. But it wasn't always a biblical representation of things. This is the true touch by an angel. And when Daniel gets touched by an angel, he's like... <laughs> I mean, what would you be doing? Hey, you'd like an iced tea? You know, uh... I mean, come on, it's an angel. Daniel, a godly man, praying three times a day, spending much of his life in the presence of God. When an angel touched him, he was, he was freaked out by it. And so you can see that verse 12 makes a lot of sense. The angel says to him, don't be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day you set your heart on understanding and let's not miss that he was called greatly loved. On the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. The very first day you prayed. And I've come in response to your words. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. Some people wonder, does God move in response to our prayers? Apparently he does. Because this angel says, when you began to pray, I began to move. So sometimes we feel like when we pray, nothing happens, right? And I don't understand all the layers of this. I know ultimately God is sovereign. But when you prayed... He says, I've come in response to your prayers. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will what? I will heal their land. Sure sounds to me like when you pray, God does respond. Now I know God is God. And he uses our prayers as a means to his ends. And he's ultimately sovereign and in control. But somehow God has graced us with the privilege of praying and him moving in response to our prayers. Now they have to be in his will and so forth. We all know that. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, 13, was withstanding me or resisted me for how long? For 21 days. How long was Daniel's fast? 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, I had a friend text me earlier and say, are you in Florida right now? Yeah. <laughs> There's a hurricane. Yes. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. I should clarify, the hurricane's name is Michael. Because <laughs> people are going to listen to this later and they're like, what was he talking about? Anyway. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now what in the world is going on? The, the angel says the prince of the kingdom of Persia resisted me for 21 days. Look, everybody look up at the screen. We get an inside look at spiritual warfare. When we introduced chapter 10, we said there is a battle going on in the spiritual world. A battle I do not understand fully, nor do I see. Nonetheless, the Bible says exists. Here's another place. An angel says, from the time you began to seek the Lord, the very first day, God responded, and I was coming to you, and I was coming with a message, but this prince of Persia, this, this prince of the kingdom of Persia, was withstanding me the whole time. Why Persia? 
Who's the world empire ruling at this moment? Persia. Remember, Babylon has been overtaken by the Medo-Persian Empire. And it's the king of Persia that has allowed the uh, captives to go back to Israel to rebuild the temple. So spiritual warfare, in some sense, however this works, is around territories and around world leaders. You remember in 1 Timothy 2 when Paul says to pray for kings and all those who are in authority? That's 1 Timothy 2, I think it's verse 1. Why does he say that? Because spiritual warfare apparently is going on consistently around the work of God and around world empires that are dominant. So think about that the next time you pray. Think about that the next time somebody says, you know, we should be regularly praying for pastors or regularly praying for our president or vice president or whomever. Just think about that because this spirit was, is identified with the Persian Empire, which is the dominant world empire of the day. Where, where would Satan be camp, setting up camp to have the most impact on the world? where the biggest decisions that can uh, impact the world are being made. Correct? So where does prayer need to be going up on behalf of the people of God? Right there as well. Right where the battle is being waged. 21 days. And there was a battle going on. And it wasn't until Michael, one of the chief princes, we know him as an archangel, came to help me. For I've been left there with the kings of Persia. This angel had been battling for three weeks and Michael had to come and help. Later in the chapter, Michael is called the Prince of Israel. We'll get into that more as we unfold this chapter and a little later when we get into uh, chapter 12. Michael is described as one of the chief princes and he came to help the angel, probably Gabriel here, in a 21-day struggle in responding to the prayer of a man named Daniel. At a critical moment in the life of the nation of Israel, the archangel Michael stepped in. We see him uh, also appear in Revelation 12 when he battles the great dragon and defeats him and he's thrown down, Revelation 12. The three-week delay was due to an evil angel opposing Gabriel in heavenly warfare. Do I completely understand that? As it leaves my mouth, does it sound a little strange and even weird? Yes. Does the Bible teach it? Yes. And sometimes I think we have a sense that it's going on, don't we? Sometimes when we can see things beyond just seeing them, you know what I'm saying? You get some spiritual lenses on a situation and you go, man, th there's a conflict behind this conflict. There's something deeper going on here than just you know, the stuff of the flesh. And Daniel had been involved in a spiritual conflict and he didn't even know it. As he was praying and mourning and fasting, the Lord was using him. The late Peter Deneka, missionary to the Slavic people, often reminded us, much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. As Daniel waged the battle in prayer, he didn't even fully understand what was going on in the heavenlies, but yet he prayed. The angel says, now I've come to give you understanding, 14, of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. That had been on Daniel's heart. He was wondering about...
the future of his people, the spiritual worker. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. There's something deeper going on here than just, you know, the stuff of the flesh. And Daniel had been involved in a spiritual conflict and he didn't even know it. As he was praying and mourning and fasting, the Lord was using him. The late Peter Deneka, missionary to the Slavic people, often reminded us, much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. As Daniel waged the battle in prayer, he didn't even fully understand what was going on in the heavenlies, but yet he prayed. The angel says, now I've come to give you understanding, 14, of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. That had been on Daniel's heart. He was wondering about the future of his people, the spiritual warfare around the rebuilding of the temple, the future of the nation. They had been in 70 years of captivity in Babylon. So many empires had come and go, even under Daniel's uh, time there. And the vision has to do with the last days. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground, 15, and I became speechless or mute. He says, I was shocked, startled. I couldn't even speak. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips, almost like we see in Isaiah 6. We see this in Jeremiah chapter 1. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and he said to him who was standing before me, Oh, my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me. I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Daniel says, I was breathless. Why are you talking to the likes of me? I know people say they dream of angel encounters and they dream of a moment when you know, they could really you know, get a glimpse of the glory of God. But I'll tell you what, if you really get one, take the breath right out of you. Daniel was a godly man seeking the Lord, but he was blown away at the love that heaven had for him and the fact that this angel was interacting with him. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And he said, O man of high esteem, greatly loved, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. So many times when There were critical moments in the disciples' life. They would hear the words, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, be strong, be courageous. That was spoken to Joshua as well. Then he said, do you understand why I came to you, 20? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I'm going forth and behold, the prince of Greece. Greece is what? The next world power. Remember how we're studying the statue in Daniel 2, world empires? 
This is why skeptical scholars cannot believe the book of Daniel was written in the 500s because Greece becomes a world power in the 300s. How can Daniel know this? Because an angel who hangs around God is telling him. He says, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to fight against the prince of Persia. It's going to be a battle for me once I leave. I'm going forth and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. So get this, Bible students. You know how we have territories being talked about here? Michael is the prince of Israel. What does that mean? He seems to be their angel that watches over them. And since we know he's one of the strongest, <laughs> right? All God's people, yeah, Michael, Michael, that's right. Since we know he's one of the strongest, <laughs> Michael the archangel. He has been specially assigned to the nation that's been brutalized, victimized, persecuted throughout the centuries of time, but not vanquished, not eliminated, not obliterated. What's going on in Israel right now? Well, you may have noticed the American embassy was just relocated to Jerusalem, which is really another miracle in the land. The fact that they're even there is a miracle. 1967 in the Six-Day War is a miracle. They're in the top five exporting fruits and vegetables from a land that nobody even wanted to go back to is a miracle. I think they're in the top three in technology in the entire world. Israel has blossomed again. Why? Because God has made a declaration that they are his people and he is going to work again in the nation of Israel. And so it's important for us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's important for us to be aware of world events. It's important for us to watch how the United States treats Israel. Believe me, it's important. Those who bless you, I will bless. All the way back to Genesis 12 hasn't changed. And the reason that America has experienced the blessings that it has, I believe in large part, is because we have been friends with Israel. I truly believe that. I believe that is a biblical worldview. And what we've gotten here is a little taste of the battle behind, behind the battle. Michael, Israel's prince, standing watch. But not without a fight, not without forces. They're, they're here today. In fact, the new name of Persia is Iran. Did you know that? Do you know that Iran was called Persia into the early 1900s and was renamed Iran probably a little over 100 years ago? That's where we are on the world stage even today. That's why when you do watch the news reports and you watch about deals being made and things going on and nuclear weapons being threatened and you know, people making claims about they're going to push Israel into the sea and, and so forth, and you watch uh, American presidents who, 
who talk and do nothing and certain ones that do something. There's a lot going on here, folks. There's a lot at stake. And there's even battles behind those battles. As tough as those battles on the surface are, that's just the beginning. And remember, I've told you, and I hope you can see it all kind of come together now, that throughout time, the spiritual warfare directed at the nation of Israel has been singularly for this reason. Because Israel produced the Messiah. Israel is the nation after God's own heart. And because of that, that's why this conflict exists. This is the only way. Put, I'll put this aside for a second. This is the only way you can understand world history. Now I'll put it back. Is to understand it through your Bible. That's how you make sense of it. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for giving us a glimpse. It reminds me in Luke 16, Jesus, when you gave us a glimpse of what happens when someone dies. Two men die. One is under judgment. One is in paradise. You gave us a little glimpse of what happens after you die. And tonight we've get, been given a glimpse of the battle behind the battle. But we know that, Lord, we're on the winning side. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be conflict and difficulty. But we're fighting the good fight of faith, taking hold of eternal life, doing it with the weapons that you've given us. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual and they are mighty through God. For the demolishing of strongholds, for the destruction of fortresses, of every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Father, help us in this battle, knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord, knowing that we have an armor that's the armor of light, knowing that Jesus is our armor, knowing that we simply just have to put on what you have provided makes all the difference. It calms our hearts. It encourages our souls. So we just pray that tonight as we, we've looked at these things, Lord, even though they seem uh, kind of strange at times, admittedly, thank you that you've shown us, you've given us some insight to it. And we don't have to be afraid because we know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we know we're going to rule and reign with you, Lord. And once this is all done and the swords are beaten to plowshares and they learn war no more, you will reign. And we're just so grateful. It almost seems like a story too good to be true. But at the end of Revelation, it says these words are faithful and true. Write them, they are faithful and true. So dear saint, would you hold on, be encouraged, put on freshly the full armor of God. If you're backslidden and maybe you've lost some ground, you, felt, you feel like you've lost some battles, just know that he's faithful to get you back where you need to be. And if you're not a Christian tonight, man, I would just encourage you to run to Jesus. Because right now, without him, you have no covering, really. But with him, you are more than a conqueror. So if you've not met Jesus, maybe you want to make it official tonight. Just pray, Jesus, I believe that you are 
God the Son, the Son of God. I believe you came to this world to die for my sin, to take my punishment, to carry my shame, to take the wrath of God. I repent of my sin. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I want to be your servant. I want to be part of your army and your kingdom. I want to serve you, Lord, and love you. I want to be like a Daniel. I want to fight for the right things, for justice and goodness and love and mercy. Father, for those who are praying and maybe articulating some of their own prayers, may you meet them where they are tonight. May you bless them with the sweetness of your presence. May you encourage the weak. May you heal bodies that are sick tonight. May you mend relationships that may be broken. May you stir your people to love and good deeds. In Jesus' name. Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.